I'm back in Seattle and I am in a routine and Elena's in a routine and it feels good. It feels good to have um, fewer unanticipated things come up, um, which happens when you're in a new location, an unknown location, a foreign location, like Hawaii, which is where I was just at. Um, so it feels good to be back in Seattle in my home base, um, establishing a very, very regimented routine. Like it's very day by day. My day looks very similar, um, pretty much day to day. And I really like that. I really like that. Um, and I used to go back and forth about whether or not that was good. Like, like people keep talking about how much they value um, spontaneity and just like a ver variety day to day, but that is not for me. And that it doesn't make me feel my best, nor does it make me produce my best work. My best work by and far is produced when my day, um, is pretty routinized. So I feel good. I wake up, um, I do my morning routine with Elena. We meditate. We, um, we do some breathing exercises that are different from meditation. We do, we're trying out this Wim Hof breathing thing too early to report on its efficacy, but we're trying it out. And, um, I'm also trying out visualization, which is, uh, a tactic that I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about, but I've seen some pretty, pre well, I'm not, I'm not skeptical because I know there are some studies that show it works and I know professional athletes use visualization. The thing that deter, that, that pushes me away from visualization as a tactic are the people who are pushing this idea that, um, by visualizing something, the atoms in the universe converge to manifest that thing for you which I, I'm not on that bandwagon. However, I, I do think that a plausible theory for visualization is that um, by practicing visualizing your goals, like really achieving, visualizing what it looks like to have achieved your goals, you are, through that process, really defining your goal, making it very concrete, concrete to the level of like what your day looks like after you've achieved those goals. And as you practice visualization, you'll keep iterating on making it more and more obvious exactly what your goal is. And I think that's good because the more defined your goal um, the more you develop this kind of perceptual filter as you navigate through your day-to-day -day existence where you'll be in tune with things that could get you to that goal. So by thinking about that goal, we're kind of changing the way we take, um, take in data and filter through it because we're always taking in so much 
fucking data. We're filtering and we, we have to filter a lot of it out. That's just how we work. Um, but by honing in on what our goals are specifically, we start to filter out everything that isn't going to get us to that goal. This, this has been tested. I don't know if it's like been a, a study, but a lot of people I really admire have talked about this. I guess cl- uh, clinical psychologists have, have talked about this as well. I've, I've seen people talk about this. And that is um, the closest I'll be to believing in, in manifestation. Um, pretty early to tell. We've only been practicing it for a week. But um, I like how it feels. I really like how it feels and I, I'm getting better at it too, because the first couple of days I was practicing it, I was like picturing these images in my head of like this ideal future. And I was like, Oh gosh, like this is, this seems very forced contrived and things, the images aren't that believable or clear, but after practicing it for a few more days, it's becoming increasingly, believable and real to me like it, it feels real and achievable and that's cool because when i open my eyes to a certain extent i feel like i have achieved those things um yeah that's kind of trippy and it's not it's not quite the same but it's it's pretty close the mind has a tough time disambiguating between thoughts and reality. Um, a lot of the times that actually segues into something that's very interesting to me that I've been working on with my, with my coach. And that's um, disconnecting experientially from my thoughts because that we're, we're, uh, we're so bad. Our brain is so bad at differentiating thoughts from reality that in the case of visualization, you're using it to your advantage because you may now act as though you have achieved those goals because your brain cannot tell the difference. Now that's kind of a hack to use one of the brain's potential weaknesses to your advantage because it it makes sense that the brain would just be able to go that's just a thought that's a thought that's not reality and this is reality this is and this is reality and that's a thought this is reality that's a thought but that's not how it works um not at all and a pretty clear way to illustrate that is through you've probably seen this before but um, but picture picture yourself in your kitchen, right? And you are um, uh, uh, you grab yourself a lemon, a nice lemon, fresh lemon, and you feel it in your hand. Feel that lemon in your hand, and you you smell that lemon. It seems fresh, right? And you put it on a cutting board. You take a knife and you. Slice that lemon in half. Picture yourself slicing that lemon in half. Now picture yourself taking one of those halves and slicing it into quarters. And finally taking one of those quarters, slicing it into an eighth. Now pick up an eighth 
visualize this, pick up an eighth of that lemon and bring it up to your nose and smell it. it smells like lemon and, and you're, you feel yourself holding it. Now picture yourself taking a bite into that lemon. And what's that like? Is it sour? Is it sweet? Is it cold? Now, if you're like me and um, somebody kind of guided you through that, uh, you you start salivating, which is pretty interesting, right? Because you're just thinking about um, a lemon. There's no lemon, yet your body is having a reaction. The same reaction would be happening if an actual lemon, maybe to a slightly lesser extent, but it's the same general reaction that your body would have when presented with an actual lemon, right? So this kind of crudely showcases how the, the mind can um, confuse these two things quite easily. Uh, and visualization, positive visualization, is a way to use that in your favor. Now, this same thing that can be used to our advantage, I, I think most of the time is is used to our detriment, especially for me, because what happens is often I'll ruminate on the past, something, a mistake I made, perhaps something I wish I could have done differently. And uh, even if there's nothing I can really do about it, like it's done, it's a done thing. I'll still think about it and uh, it'll cause anxiety um, and, uh, unpleasant feelings in my body. And it's completely unproductive, right? Because there's actually no action item. It's done. It was in the past. There's no real reason why I should be spending time ruminating on this. It's completely unproductive and not fun. Um, so that, and, and my body actually reacts like it, like if it's like about um like a a disagreement I had with a friend, maybe we started yelling at each other or something. I'll ruminate on that experience, right? And my body will go through a similar experience, placing myself because because when I'm thinking about it, when I'm ruminating, I'm actually if you if you look at what's happening in my head, I'm actually picturing myself in that scenario again, right? I'm visualizing myself, my friend, and us uh, yelling at each other, and maybe I'm thinking about things I wish I could have said differently, but I'm picturing that whole scene. And uh, what's happening as I'm picturing it is my body is reacting experientially to it. Meaning uh, my body doesn't know if that's um, a thought or a real experience. So I'm actually having these really negative emotions and that's, that's bad, right? Because I should just be looking at that thought as a thought, as words and pictures in my brain. That's all that is. There's no reason why I have to re-experience it. Why, why would I have to put myself through the emotion of that again? And um, short-circuiting that process is a choice. I have the ability to short-circuit it, but it's a skill and it's very subtle. And this is a hard skill to develop, but this is something I'm currently working on.
Um, and I, I believe that this, geez, I, I used to spend a large chunk of my day in these kind of anxiety, uh, spiraling thoughts about, um, what I could have done differently in different scenarios. So I'm trying to short circuit that process because if I can learn to notice myself feeling the experience and what it looks like is it, it looks like, you know, a warmth in my chest, maybe a tightness in my muscles, might something in my hands might squeeze. And that's me going through the experience, right? If I notice that though, and if I'm skilled enough, I can be able to go, oh, you're experiencing that thought right now. You're not treating it as just a thought. And if I can do that, if I can notice it, that's the first step to disengaging with it, stepping back and looking at it for what it is, which all it is, is just a picture in my brain or some words in my brain. And that is very non-threatening to me because nothing in my reality has changed. <laughs> nothing is happening to me that merits this fight or flight reaction that's happening in my body. So that is a, is a good skill to work on. It's a hard skill to work on. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. An exercise I did with my coach that was kind of funny and fun and uncomfortable and mildly embarrassing was um, he took me through this thing where I was picturing, well, I was, he did told me to think of the thing that I was, from my past that I was ruminating on, that I was, that was causing me mental d distress and um, kind of summarize it in a sentence, like what the act. And it was, um, I was like, I, okay, I was like, okay, I, I made a mistake was my shitty summary of it. I made a mistake. And then he made me kind of say I made a mistake uh, a few times. And then, uh, and then I, I kind of have it in my head. And then he made me sing it to the tune of happy birthday. I made a mistake. <laughs> I made a mistake. And then he had me do it in a Russian accent. I think he chose Russian. I don't, I can't really do one. I made a mistake. I don't know. So I, I did, I did both of those. And uh, I couldn't help but slightly giggle as I was doing those exercises. But what they did was they really, those exercises really showed me how, um, the the words of that experience like it, it it really thrusts me out of experiencing the thought and helps me treat them as just these words um and that was uh was a useful exercise for me so that's what i've been working on this last week something a little more uh recent as in what I was thinking about 10 minutes before recording this podcast was I was going through this, this dilemma where, um, cause in general, I believe that 
as much as possible, I'll invest money into something uh, that'll educate me, further my learning, further my growth, further my development at the cost of uh, pretty much anything else in my life, right? So like right now, I, I truly don't have much money saved up and I don't have a traditional job. Um, and I am still investing in a coach, a life coach, because I, I get a lot of value out of it. Um, if there's a books, I buy a bunch of books, um, and I'll do that before I spend money going out to eat or, uh, on clothes or something. So all that, that gets sacrificed for these self-growth pursuits. That's something that I've just, I've, re- I've really believed in for a long time, but now I'm getting to this point where. Well, I had one example pop up where there's this YouTube course by this guy um, that I found recently. I think his name is Ali Abdul, who I who I really like on YouTube. I think his advice is quite good, and um, and he's he's doing this YouTube course uh, and uh, to teach people how to get started on YouTube, um, and. He think this guy. He reminds me a lot of myself and how he thinks about stuff from an automation standpoint and a productivity standpoint. Like uh, his beliefs, I, I I believe are good and they they resonate with me. So having his approach to YouTube to starting YouTube would just expedite my process there. However, the course is quite expensive, and if I wasn't in the but so now I'm confined this is the first time in a long time i felt the struggle because if because the finances are the only thing right now keeping me on the fence about signing up uh and that's a bummer that's a real bummer and i know a lot of people are often in that position and i know it's a a privilege to say that (laughs) i haven't been in this position for a while but it's a hard, it's a hard place to sit on because because if I invest in it and it expedites my growth and my learning, then that's worth it. But it has to be now tempered by the fact that I have this runway, this fixed amount of time that I can live without getting a job, and at which point it becomes more difficult to pursue what I want to because eight hours a day or however many hours a day are now spent doing something else. So it's like okay. Do I shave a month out of my runway in order to invest in this? Will the investment be worth more than a month of being able to just do this full time? So that's an interesting dilemma. And uh, it's something I <laughs> compounded by the fact that signing up for the class registration ends tonight. So crazy. So crazy. So that's my current dilemma. Uh, first world problems, but problems nonetheless. Um, not problems, but it, it's an interesting, not problems in the sense that I'm complaining about problems in the sense that it's an interesting problem to solve, like a math equation. You know what I mean? Thanks for listening. Uh, I will, oh gosh, I guess I'll just touch. I'm going to have massive updates to podcasts, to YouTube, to TikTok coming in. Not Maybe, not maybe like a week or two, but in the next month, I'm going to start doing quite a lot differently. So thank you for sticking with this. And um, I hope you like the, the changes that I'm going to make. Thanks.